0: This is The Look Ahead on v the Sports Betting Network.
5: It is hour number two of The Look Ahead right here on v the Sports Betting Network. And we've got a tremendous hour for you as we're going to be taking a look at some Major League Baseball. And we're going to be joined by a pair of great guests as well along the way. As towards back half of the hour, Dan Vreeland, he does a great job taking a look at UFC over there at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. He is going to be joining me, and in about 15 minutes, Anthony Dabundo. He does a great job over there at the Action Network taking a look at baseball and college basketball. He is going to be joining me. We're going to be getting a look at the Diamond for Friday with him as well, and I always do a write-up every single day when it comes to DK Nation with regards to Major League Baseball. I always do this with the college basketball season. I wind up doing this for baseball as well, and hopefully the Bad luck is now finally done as I wound up having the Pittsburgh Pirates yesterday who wound up giving up five runs in the eighth inning. They were able to rally to win as I took them on the money line, but that was more of a sweat than it should have been prior to that. The Giants, I wound up having on Wednesday, they blew a two-run lead in the ninth inning, and I had the under in the Blue Jays versus White Sox game, and anyone that bet that game with me, you know how brutal that was, so... Hopefully we can get a little bit less sweat in this one. I get enough of it from the 100 plus degree Vegas heat. So how about if we go 977, 978? Milwaukee Brewers going to be playing us the Toronto Blue Jays as Alec Manoa is going to be going for the Jays and Adrian Hauser is going to be on the bump for Milwaukee. Total on this game is 8.5 with the Brewers. You're going to be finding them anywhere between about a plus 135 to a little bit above a plus 140. And on the Jays, it is anywhere between about a minus 145 to a minus 155. And when it comes to the money line, if I'm able to get north of a plus 140, which we're finding a couple of those out there with the Milwaukee Brewers, I'm going to be willing to take a shot. But that's not really what the DK Nation pick is going to be on. And if you're looking at the money or the run line, by the way, with the Toronto Blue Jays, i find that right around a plus 110 right now. In all honesty, I'd be rather looking to take a run a half I would want more like a minus 125 rather than the minus 130 that I'm seeing right now. But I mean, in a game in which a total is eight and a half, only getting a plus 110 on the run line with the Toronto Blue Jays, that seems a little bit thin to me. So if anything, looking at a Brewer's run line slash money line in that spot, currently I'd be looking to take the plus price personally. But with that said, with regards to the DK Nation pick, I'm going to be taking a look at the under. I set this total personally at 7.4 and it has been a little bit of a rough go of it for Hauser. He's given up three plus runs and now four out of his last five starts. And he's going up against this very fearsome Toronto Blue Jays lineup, in which at the top you've got George Springer, Boba along with Liger Jr., lying between about a 262 and 270. All these guys have been able to give you a double digit amount of homers with Liger Jr. leading the way with 17 home runs. But Hauser has done a good job of being able to keep the ball in the yard thus far this season, giving up right around 0.7, 0.8 home runs for nine innings. and he has been very much better at home rather than on the road. Because with regards to his road area, that is hovering right around a 550. Meanwhile, 294 at home, and opponent's batting average goes down by 60 points whenever he's been at home. This is a guy in Adrian Houser that's very much a pitcher contact guy. He only gets right around seven strikeouts per nine innings. The walks have been a little bit up and down with him, a little bit over three walks per nine innings. But whenever he's been in Milwaukee, he's just been a little bit... Better in general. He's been a little bit more comfortable. And then Raleigh Manoa. He's got to be towards the top of the American League Cy Young voting as of right now. Shane McClanan If I had a vote, I'd be probably looking at Shane McClellan and at this point. He has been amazing for the Tampa Bay Rays. But Manoa, you know what? He has been able to do a really, really good job for this team. As he's currently posting a road buck 80 ERA. Overall ERA hovering right around 2. But let's give it up 1.7 walks and 0.6 home runs per nine innings. Guys went out there, and at every single one of his road starts, he has given up two earned runs or fewer. I think that there was a start in which he gave up three runs, one of those runs wound up being unearned, but he has really been steady on the road. Now, the one risk that you wind up running in this game is that this is a Blue Jays bullpen that has not been good, to say the least, this season. Among your 30 MLB teams, they're currently ranking 24th in terms of bullpen ERA with a 441 and for the Brewers, and it's been a relatively solid bullpen. They're right around 10th of the big leagues. Their ERA is a full point better than that of the Blue Jays. Now, you did wind up having Josh Hader wind up coming out of the bullpen on Thursday, but he hasn't seen a lot of usage in general. He was on the paternity list for a little bit, so it's not a case of which this would be like the third time in four days or the fourth time in fifth days if Josh Hader winds up getting used up, so you got to figure that he's going to be available if the Milwaukee Brewers wind up being able to take a lead in this game, but with the Milwaukee Brewers, you really don't have anyone that has been that guy to be able to lead the lineup, that guy that has been a main concept for this bunch. As among guys that are currently healthy, as Mark Barrasso currently on the injured list, you don't have a single guy that has north of a 252 batting average. Now, you do have a few guys that'll be able to give you a double digit amount of formers with Roddy Tellez, Willie Adamas, Hunter Renfro, all in that mix. And Adamas, he was able to get his 15th home run of the season on Thursday, but has been an issue being able to get on base for the Brewers. Christian Yelich just not living up to the contract that he wound up receiving after winning that National League MVP. That's why I'm putting them behind the eight ball a little bit for the Blue Jays. You certainly do have quite a bit of firepower, and this has been a very good over-team over the last month or two, but some of those games have been insane. I mentioned the fact that I was on a bad beat with regards to the Blue Jays versus the Chicago White Sox a couple days ago, and the Blue Jays have found themselves in a couple of those circumstances, and I do think that that's going to iron out a little bit. It's a Brewers team that just has not been able to generate many runs at home. As a matter of fact, right around 2 point, or 4.25 at home. That's a bottom 10 mark out there in the big leagues. Meanwhile, with the Blue Jays, I do think that they are going to have Alec Manoa be able to give them an absolutely incredible start in this one because he has been doing an amazing job all season long. I think that that's going to continue in this spot. With the Brewers, I would need at least a plus 140 to be able to take a shot on them on the money line. And when it comes to this total, set it more around to 7.4. So my DK Nation write-up is going to be on the under, and I do look at the Milwaukee Brewers. If I'm able to get at least a plus 140, having a little bit of value as a home underdog. And when it comes to that National League Central, we've got a pair of teams from the NL Central that are going to be doing battle on Friday as well. Let's dive into this as we've got the Chicago Cubs on the road facing off against the St. Louis Cardinals. This is 955-956 with Kyle Hendricks, better known as a professor going for the Cubs, and Andre Palanti is on the bump for St. Louis St. Louis opened up my, open up a minus 170 favorite. Now you're finding them anywhere between about a minus 150 to a minus 155. So we've seen a little bit of a line move here. And with the Cubs, you're going to be finding them anywhere between about a plus 135 to a plus 145 with your total being nine. And with Andre Palanti, I've been very impressed by him now. I do think that he's been able to get a little bit lucky this season because he's not necessarily a high swing and miss guy, getting in the pocket of about seven strikeouts per nine innings. And he's... He's honestly given up more walks than you'd expect as well. Right around about four-ish walks per nine at the beginning his season out there in the bullpen well, ever since he's been brought into the rotation has been able to do a solid job. But this is sort of representative in the fact that his ERA is a 169. His fielding independent is a four. I still do like this game under though because even if Andre Palanti winds up getting lit up a little bit, even if that regression starts to wind up being able to rear its ugly head you still have a bullpen that involves Genesis Cabrera, who's been able to do an amazing job for this team. Ryan Elsley has given up one earned run all season long. He's got a sub 040 ERA. He has been solid, and this is a little bit more of a pitcher-friendly ballpark out there in St. Louis. Now, it has been playing to where you've been seeing quite a few overs come in, but a lot of that is because he's, the uh, Cardinals offense has been amazing. Paul Goldschmidt has to be a guy that's towards the top of the list with regards to MVP right now. 17 home runs. 340 batting average, but past that, Brendan Donovan has had north of a 300 batting average, and then you take a look at Tommy Edmond, Juan Pez, Nolan Gorman, all these guys hitting between about a 265, to 280, Nolan Arradato. He's been in that fold as well. He's been able to give the team a double-digit amount of homers, and where the Cubs are able to get on base. Christopher Morel has been able to do a solid job for the team. Wilson Contreras, Patrick Wisdom, they both have 12-plus home runs. Wisdom is just striking out a ton, but With that said, he's been able to put back the ball and be able to make some more contact when he's needed to, but with the Cubs, what I think is going to be a a little bit of a case study here, how does this bullpen wind up responding? Because this is a Cubs bullpen that, through the first month of the season, they were one of the best out there in the majors. If you take a look at them over the last 30 days, their ERA is north of a 650. That is by far the worst mark out there in the big league, so they began the year relatively solid out there in the bullpen. Ever since then, it has went straight down the toilet pole. and for Kyle Hendricks, he's always been a guy that has had some pretty demonstrative home and road splits. His ERA for his career is about a point higher on the road than it is at home and has really been living up to form this season. It's been more around a .75 point difference, but certainly Hendricks has been able to do a significantly better job whenever he has been at home. and has been hurt a little bit by the deep ball. Good news is he wound up having some walks issues at the beginning part of the season. He seems to have been able to work through those as he's given up four walks over his last four starts, so that winds up helping him out a little bit, but you do have a guy that has never really been able to get a lot of swings and misses, right around 6.5 strikeouts per nine innings thus far this season overall for his career, more around 7.3, 7.4 strikeouts per nine, but I do think that he's going to get a little bit more fortunate with regards to hard contact. Prior to last season, he had never given up more than 1.1 home runs per nine innings last season seasons, it's been more around 1.6 home runs per nine. So I do think that he's going to be able to do a little bit of a better job of being able to keep the ball in the yard. And when it comes to the St. Louis team, I think that they're going to be able to do a solid job with their bullpen and with the Cubs. I don't think that their bullpen is quite as bad as it's shown recently. Now, I think that they're much closer to this form than they were at the beginning of the season where they were doing an actually very good job of being able to hold down the fourth in terms of their bullpen, but with that said, I'm going to be taking a look at a Cardinals run line in this spot. I want to make them more around a minus 183 on the money line. With regards to run line, you're finding this a lot of places right around a plus 120. Currently at DraftKings, uh, plus 125, and I think that there's good value there. I was willing to take this pretty much at even money or better, so I'm looking at the Cardinals. Didn't mind saying my total at an 8.6 as well, so this is also going to be a circumstance where I'm going to be taking a look at the under end. Coming up next, we're going to be joined by Anthony DeBundo. He does a terrific job over there at Action Network. He follows mainly college basketball and baseball, and it is baseball season. So we're going to be taking a look at what he likes all out there on the diamond next, right here on The Lookout on VEASAN. The Sports Betting Network, Greg Peterson, filling in for Scott Steinberg. This is the look ahead on V SIN, the sports betting network. Ice cold beers and cold hard cash. Join the action on the pitch with the Heineken 2022 Soccer Prediction Challenge. Compete for 20 free to play pools this season for your shot at $100,000 in total cash prizes. Head on over to DraftKings.com slash Heineken now to be able to start your run at victory. Heineken, beer made better, 21 years or older to participate terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com for details and as always, please do drink responsibly as we're back here on The Lookout with myself, Greg Peterson, and we head out to the great state of Pennsylvania. That's where we find Anthony DeBundo. He does a terrific job over there at Action Network. He, much like myself, does a lot with regards to college basketball and baseball and If you're looking for him on social media, last name is spelled D-A-B-B-U-N-D-O. And Anthony, great to have you aboard tonight. Thank you. It's good to be here. It is great to be on with you. And it is great that we've got one of the best pitchers in the big leagues who's going to be hitting the mound on Friday. That would be Sandy Alcantara. He's going to be going for the Miami Marlins. And right now you're finding Miami as a little bit of a favorite in this game. Open up right around a minus 115-ish and this has went up in a lot of spots to right around about a minus 130. Right now, the high water mark that I'm seeing is at Drive Kings had a minus 140. But what are your thoughts on this one? Because Sandy, he's been one of the best pitchers out there in the big leagues. I felt like he and Joe Musgrove going into Thursday were one and two with regards to Cy Young voting. And if I were to take a look at it right now, I think that Alcantara with the way that Musgrove wound up slipping up on Thursday has a golden opportunity to be able to be
3: maybe a little bit of a leader in the clubhouse. Yeah, he is the betting favorite right now. And the way he's been pitching, it's hard to say that he's gonna slip up. You know, barring injury, it looks like Sandy is clearly in pole position. You've seen guys like Corbin Burns struggle a little bit more than maybe you're normally seeing. And of course, with DeGrom and Scherzer on the shelf, definitely looking good for Sandy there. I still like Miami. I know that you mentioned it, you know, this was minus one fifteen at the open. That did not last particularly long. It was minus one twenty. Now we're up to you know, 130, 135. That's about as far as I would go with the Marlins. This is as much a bet on Sandy Alcantara continuing his dominance as it is a bet against Taiwan Walker. Remember last year, Walker was actually an all-star first half of the season, and then he completely imploded. And you're seeing some of the signs that another implosion is coming for Taiwan. He's right now he's sitting at 0.46 home runs per nine last year, and for his career, he's well over one. His home run per fly ball rate is only five percent. So he's kind of benefiting a bit from the depressed run environment, but again, for his career, up over 12%. So I think Taiwan, he's not really getting more strikeouts. In fact, his strikeout rate's lower. And so you're looking across the board, and how is Taiwan managing to keep this ERA as low as it's been? I'm not a believer in Walker long-term. His barrel rate is still below average league-wide, and his stuff plus number, his strikeouts are down. And so this is much a bet against Taiwan as it is a bet on Taiwan. Sandy Alcantara, who the Mets did see last week, but weren't very successful in hitting. And he doesn't generate a ton of strikeouts, which I think makes him a really interesting pitcher nowadays. You know, he's right around, you know, the typical nine strikeouts per nine, which is not, you know, dominant stuff, but he misses a lot of bats uh, and he gets a lot of ground balls. And so I, I love that for Sandy pitching against a Mets lineup uh, that has performed well to this point in the season.
5: And to your point, I remember with Tywin Walker last season, much like he began this season, he was able to keep the ball in the yard. And then in the second half of the season, as the ball went flying, his ERA went flying up as well. So that was not necessarily too terrific over there. And I know that you're a man that's out there in the state of Pennsylvania. And this is the, I guess he got more forgotten about Pennsylvania team as the Pittsburgh Pirates, they're going on the road. They're facing off against the Tampa Bay Rays. Jeffrey Springs is going to be going for the Rays, who's been very good actually coming out of the bullpen, he's become a starter. And he's been relatively solid. And Mitch Keller, he was sent to the bullpen. It wasn't for very long because the Pirates. And he just needed starting pitching in general, and he's come back and he's looked relatively solid as of right now. We're finding the Rays as a two-dollar favorite right in that pocket, of about plus one eighty-ish is what you're finding the Pittsburgh Pirates at, and this is a spot in which. I think that if you wind up getting up a little bit further than this, I'd be willing to nibble on the Pirates. I would need probably a little bit more than a plus 180, but I think that this is getting too steep, especially with regards to a Rays money line. I think that this would be for me Rays run line or Pirates money line because I just would not be necessarily wanting to lay this big of a money line here on the Rays.
3: Yeah, I definitely don't want to right now. I mean, What what is this lineup? that they're rolling out. I mean, they've had so many injuries. They've been hit by the injury bug now. Lau and Franco are still out. Kiermaier's now gone out. Margot is out. And they're five through nine hitters. They're all young, and not one of them has really shown much thus far at the major league level, whether it's Bruhan or Walls or Lowe. You know, these guys have shown a little bit of flash, but none of them have been able to sustain it at this point. And so I think there's just a lot of outs in this Tampa Bay lineup and you mentioned it with Keller. You know, he came, he went, he came out earlier this year and he was supposed to be this big breakout pl- pitcher. Looked great in spring training and then he was horrible the first few starts, went to the bullpen, came back and he's actually been throwing a sinker a lot more and uh, it's been quite pretty effective. He's not getting whiffs with it. That's never really been Keller's problem. It's been that he can't, you know, keep hard contact from from hitting him and so he's actually only allowed a 293 woba with the sinker and he's been using a lot more in his last four starts. 22 innings, only six earned runs. And those were not against bad lineups. He faced the Dodgers, the Giants, and the Cardinals, three of the better lineups in the National League, and managed to allow two or fewer runs in all of those starts. So I'm really encouraged by Keller. I've kind of re- you know, reestablished my position on him coming into the year as somebody I was looking to bet on, and that remains true. Springs is really good. You mentioned it. I mean, he's been extremely impressive. I am a little skeptical of whether he'll continue to strand 90% of runners. I think that there's some regression coming there with with runners on base, and again, this Rays lineup, I just don't feel comfortable laying, you know, minus 200 with them. And and you know, it's it's anecdotal and it's kind of narrativey, but the Pirates feel like they have more juice. And you watch the series against the Cubs in games not started by Jared Eichhoff. their lineup has some pop, and O'Neill Cruz seems to have really enthused this team and and Madras too. And so I'm I'm buying some Pirate stock. I think I'm going to continue to bet them a lot the second half of the season. I think they're. Gonna play pretty close to 500 ball, maybe second half of the season. That wouldn't shock me in the slightest. And to your point, so Jared, Pittsburgh. To
5: your point on Jared Eykoff. He's now given up 10 plus runs in each out of his last two starts, becoming the first pitcher since Chubby Dean of 1940 to be able to do so. And you're on the same list with Chubby Dean, not necessarily so great, but also to your point on Yale Cruz, ever since he wanted coming up, he's been able to give this team a fresh breath of life. And I want to take Mitch Keller when he wound up going against the Dodgers. He was able to make me a little bit of money there. So I was very happy about that. And. I'm sure that with you being out there in the state of Pennsylvania, you've been happy to see the run that we've been seeing from the Philadelphia Phillies as they wind up being able to get to Joe Musgrove, really the first team all season that I was able to do that. And now it's going to be Aaron Nola is going to be going on the mound. And we've seen a little bit of an adjustment with this price. This opened up the Phillies between about minus 115, minus 120. Now we're finding it closer to a minus 125, minus 130 after what we wind up seeing on, on Thursday. What's your position here? Because with Mackenzie Gore going on the other side for San Diego, was very solid to begin the season. Last season starts has looked very shaky.
3: He has, and I think it's kind of a prime example of why we look at some of the underlying numbers that we do and try to you know, figure out where pitchers may be headed. Gore was somebody I wrote about uh, two weeks ago when his home run rate per fly ball was 3%. And I was like, okay, the home runs are coming. Gore has been remarkably fortunate to keep the ball in the park. And then he gave up 14 runs and two starts. One was at Coors, so a little bit un, a little bit harsh. But still, 14 runs and two starts is not ideal. I'm not a believer in the Padres. And especially the Padres lineup now that doesn't have Manny Machado in it. We're presuming he's not going to play on uh, Friday night. Don't expect him back yet. They are number two in clutch hitting this year. When you look across the board at the rest of their offense, they're, they're in the 20s in a lot of the stuff like hard hit rate, barrel rate ex weighted on base average. So they're really not performing at an above-average level, but they're getting that kind of production because they've gotten a lot of timely hits, and a lot of that's Machado. Now you take who should have been and probably would be the MVP right now if the season ended today, out of this lineup and you're hitting Jorge Alfaro in the four-hole, I have a lot more question marks about this Padres team, at least until Tatis and Machado do come back. Then we may have a different conversation. And look, Aaron Nola, I'm biased. I'm a Phillies fan. Aaron Nola's probably my favorite pitcher in all the baseball but nola came off an unbelievably unfortunate season last year and we're starting to see vintage nola again elite control good stuff 2.73 xcra is the lowest of his career lowest whip of his career so he's really pitching at an elite level right now so i think i'm getting the best or the better considerably better starting pitcher and the considerably better lineup though have hit well against lefties the last three seasons now I think I'm getting a pretty good number here, even laying a little bit of juice on the road now, even though the market's come up. So I would I would lay it up to minus 130, 135. Would not go past that because now you're paying a, a pretty big premium for a road favorite. And then the other thing is that the Phillies bullpen has been pretty rested. They did use their two best relievers uh, on Thursday night, but only through 23 combined pitches. So expecting both of them to be good to go for tomorrow on Friday.
5: And to your point as well with Aaron Nola, he's actually been doing a significantly better on the road rather than at home this year as well. So he's always had a little bit of a tough time with that split. And Anthony, I know that you're doing terrific work over there at the Action Network. Did a great job being a breakdown of these baseball games with me tonight. Thank you so much for joining me. Appreciate it. Anthony, doing terrific work over there. And it's going to be interesting to take a look at what we wind up getting out there on the baseball betting board for Friday as you've got a lot of underdogs that... Are not necessarily like plus two dollars, but you're finding a lot of teams in sort of that plus like 150, 160 range. So I'll be able to dive into those a little bit more on the other side. As this is a look Ahead with myself, Greg Peterson, filling in for Scott Seidenberg.
0: This is the look ahead on VSN, the sports betting network.
5: The VEASAN Summer Special is here. For just $19, you get everything that VEASAN has to offer from now until the end of July. Sign up and you'll be able to get VEASAN's daily best bet emails, including Adam Burke's daily MLB best bets, NFL preseason coverage, premium articles on golf, UFC, USFL, NASCAR, and so much more. And if you want the full VEASAN experience, which includes daily best bet emails, every single edition of Point spread Weekly, our betting tools, live video streaming, you get it all for just $19. To be a subscriber now through July 31st, and this is at VEASAN.com slash summer to be able to subscribe, as it is a lookout with myself, Greg Peterson, and great to be able to get on Anthony Dabundo. He does an absolutely terrific job over there at the Action Network. Join me in the last segment to be able to break down some of these MLB games that we've got on Friday, so great to be able to have him aboard, and in 15 minutes, Dan Freeland. He does a great job over there at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. He does a great job with his specialty being the UFC. We're going to be taking a look at what we're going to be getting out there in the combat sports world this weekend. Always good to be able to dive into various things because now with the NBA Finals done and now for that matter, the NBA Draft done as well, the NHL Stanley Cup at the absolute most. We're going to be getting three more games there. It's going to be a lot of baseball and looking forward to football moving forward. So good to be able to get a little bit of alternative action out there. I know that Many of you guys that love golf. Hopefully, you guys are tuning into long shots because I can tell you right now, I am not your guy for golf. I love being able to watch a lot of these tournaments, but I can't pick my own nose when it comes to golf. So, <laughs> I, I am not the guy that you want to be looking to for plays there. But, guys like Matt Humans, Brady Cannon, Wes Reynolds, the guys over there that you wind up hearing with regards to long shots, they do an amazing job. So, we've got you guys covered there as well. But, I've got you guys covered with regards to the diamonds. So, how about if we wind up going 979, 980 with a game that's going to be going on a little bit later on on Friday? This is the Arizona Diamondbacks playing against the Detroit Tigers as Ronnie Garcia is going to be getting the start for Detroit and Merrill Kelly is going to be on the bump for Arizona. And Arizona, they're finding themselves as in the pocket of about a minus 157 to a minus 165 favorite. If You're looking at the Tigers. You're getting anywhere between plus 140 and plus 150 with a total of eight and a half. And It's been one of the hottest trends in baseball thus far this season with really both of these teams in terms of an under. For the Tigers, just betting them under in general because 63.5% of their games have wound up going under the total. But the Arizona Diamondbacks at home, this is just absolutely insane. They have thus far this season played 36 home games. They've had 11 games go over the total. They've had two pushes in there, so overall their underrate is at 67.7%. That is the best underrated in all baseball, and Merrill Kelly, guess what? He is significantly better at home than he is on the road. As a matter of fact, his ERA for his career, and this is a few years now, is right around 1.5 points lower at home rather than on the road. He's been a steady-eddy guy. He's not going to go out there. He's not going to give you, like, 12 strikeouts in the start or anything like that, but you can expect him to be able to do a nice job of just not giving up a lot of walks, being able to hold down the fort being able to just keep the ball in the yard in general. That's really what Merrill Kelly has been able to bring to the table as you take a look at it thus far this season. Right around 3.2 walks per nine innings. Gets right around 7.5 strikeouts per nine innings as well, but four home runs, give it up in 78 innings, has been a rocket home. And for Ronnie Garcia, he has been able to do a relatively solid job since be, being pretty much brought up from the bullpen. He was a guy that was being utilized a little bit more as a long reliever to begin the season out of necessity because for the Detroit Tigers, among their five starting pitchers with regards to the rotation opening day, four of them are currently out of the full Derek Skubal is the last man standing with that regard, but he's come in and he's done an admirable job. Now, he's given up a little bit too much hard contact, 1.9 home runs per nine innings, but also two walks per nine innings, nine and a half strikeouts per nine as well. So he's been able to do a nice job, be able to just come in, hold down the fort, not be the guy that has completed another weak link for the team. That would be Elvin Rodriguez whenever he's been out there, but you do take a look at this Arizona Diamondbacks seam as well, and what I think is very stark with them is just the way that their power is varied home to road. On the road, they're in the top three in the big leagues in terms of home runs per game with a little bit over 1.4. At home, they're averaging a little bit less than a home run per game, and they've been dealing with an injury to one of their top guys at being able to get on base in general, Inquitel Marte, who is hitting right around at 265. Alec Thomas has been able to do a solid job for the team as well. To the credit of Christian Walker, 19 home runs thus far this season. He has really been able to match, but it's an Arizona diamondback team that they're hanging as a collective just below a 220. That's in the bottom five in the big leagues. And for the Detroit Tigers, I have laid out their stats on the road a couple of times, and we're going to do it once again. 2.2 runs per game on the road. That is historically awful. I mean, I can't think of any team ever since the live ball era began and that's a very very long time ago that is anything even close to this. It's been absolutely ridiculous. You've right now got a team that has 38 home runs. To put this into perspective, Aaron Judge and Anthony Rizzo have I believe eight more home runs as just a pair of guys on the New York Yankees and you've got with this entire Detroit Tigers team now. I actually went back and did the research. There was a Houston Astros team, I think that was like either in the late 60s or the early 70s, that they wanted finishing off a year with like, I think it was 56 home runs. I mean, it was absolutely ridiculous, but they're not going to go quite that bad, but it's still pretty darn bad for the Detroit Tigers. You've got Jameer Candelario, Spencer Torkelson, Eric Haas. You're able to throw in there. Their younger guy in Cody Clement, I believe it is. He's a little bit of a, or Cody Clements, I should say. I had to get the name correct before I wind up just giving them the business, Javi bias. All these guys are in a 215 or lower for this team. It has been ghastly bad. You don't have a single guy in this Detroit Tigers lineup that has at least six home runs. And to the Tigers' credit, they actually do have one very good attribute. The bullpen has been absolutely supreme for this team this season. They're number seven in the big leagues, and they've been used for quite a few innings. They're currently posting up right around about a 3-1, 3-1-5-ish ERA. Willie Peralta has been able to do a solid job. Alex Lang has come in. He's been able to hold down the fort. Michael Fulmer, failed starter, good bullpen guy. Gregory Soto has been a nice closer for the team. So, And the Detroit Tigers have really been able to hold up. They've done a nice job out there in the pen. They just have no offense whatsoever, which is why their run differential right now is right around minus one hundred for the years at the diamondbacks. It's the exact opposite in that starting pitching has been good. They've been able to get some power with the guards' home run ball. They haven't been able to get on base with the guards batting average and their bullpen has been absolutely terrible. Now you do have a guy that I really like in Joe Manette Tipley. He's got a sub one year. He's been amazing for this team. And even someone like Sean Poppen has been able to come in. He's been able to hold down the 4 but Guys like Noah Ramirez, J.B. Wendelkamp with North a 4 ERA, Mark Melanson with his nearly 6 ERA. These guys have not been able to do a solid job out of your 30 MLB teams. Arizona's clocking in 22nd with regards to their bullpen ERA. So I do think that there's a good edge here with the Arizona Diamondbacks. I want to make them minus 173 on the money line and. This is one of these rare circumstances in which I'm willing to go over a minus 150 with regards to the money line. And right now you're finding that run line in a lot of spots right around between a plus 125 to a plus 130. I have a little bit of a bigger differential on the money line. And the reason why I do like the money line a little bit more than the run line is I wound up saying my total right around a 7.6 because I laid out just the way that the Arizona Diamondbacks don't hit as many home runs at home rather than on the road. They don't necessarily have a great team batting average, and the Tigers, they actually have a halfway decent bullpen. It could be hard if they wind up being able to chase Ronnie Garcia after five innings to be able to get that insurance run that you need to be able to land on the run line, be able to get that two-plus run win. So I'd rather lay a little bit of a chalkier money line, and I do get asked this quite a bit when it comes to just what is the maximum that you're willing to lay in terms of a money line. And I think that it very much... Should be a case in which you shouldn't have one set number in mind because, like, one of the best bets I've made since I've been out here in Las Vegas, I wanted moving to Las Vegas approximately five years ago, actually, to the week. And I mean, one of the best bets I ever made Floyd Mayweather minus 400 against Connor McGregor. I mean, minus four dollars sounds like a hefty amount to be able to play, but if you think that Floyd Mayweather should be able to fight win the fight 99 out of 100 times, laying minus four dollars on something that you think wins 99 out of 100 times. You know what? That's really, really good. And if you think that much like I do in this spot, that the Ears and the Diamondbacks, they should be able to win this game more than two-thirds of the time. But at the same time, you don't think that there's a lot of games that they wind up landing with the Arizona and the Diamondbacks winning by two-plus runs. Don't be afraid to take the money line. I think that a lot of people get it in their mind that they can't lay north of... Minus 140, minus 150, everyone has a little bit of a different number when it comes to this, but I do think that it is very important to be malleable, and you look at the true odds itself, like even we're coming out of the NBA draft, there are some prices in which they might have been like a minus 500, but if you think that there's absolutely no way that insert player here winds up slipping past the top 10, and you're able to get them at a top 10 bet, and you think that it should hit like 99 out of 100 times, and you're laying Minus 1,000 with regards to the juice, there's still value there. Meanwhile, even though you might be getting someone at like a plus 500 to go in the draft in the top 10, but it only happens one out of every 20 times, it's great that you're getting plus $5, but I think that it happens one out of every 20 times. There's not necessarily a lot of value there either. And a sport that does involve actually quite a few of these chalkier money lines that typically that you're able to find a lot of value on. That would be the UFC. So perfect segue here is Dan Vreeland. He does an absolutely amazing job with the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. He does a great job of specializing in the UFC. We've got some good fights that are going to be coming up for this weekend. So we're going to be chatting about those with him and so much more. As it is a look at with myself, Greg Peterson, filling in for Scott Seidenberg right here on the Sports Gambling Network.
2: <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: This is The Look Ahead on v the sports betting network.
5: We're back here on The lookout with myself, Greg Peterson, and it is great to be joined by our guest, Dan Freeland, does an absolutely terrific job over there at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. He does a great job being able to take a look at all things UFC. And we've got a UFC fight night that's coming up for this weekend. So great to be able to call him in and get his thoughts on these fights. And great to have you aboard tonight. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Greg. And something that I wanted to talking about, this was a little bit more in terms of baseball. But I really think that this is big for sports betting in general. And there's a golden opportunity to be able to lay this out is we've got a fight which just has a massive money line on it. You've got Umar Nurmagomedov. He's going to be facing off against against Nate Manz. And right now, you're finding Mr. Nurmagomedov at some places as high as a minus 1,000 favorite, which that's pretty much a big giant whopper of a price. But when it comes to the UFC, do you ever find yourself laying some of these very chalky money lines? And if so, how do you wind up addressing these? Because I've always of the... Thought that if you wind up laying a thousand, but you think it should w- hit like 99 out of 100 times, there's still value there. Meanwhile, if you wind up finding yourself with like a plus 600 underdog, like you've got in this case, if it only hits one
2: out of one out of every 20 times, there's not value there. Yeah, and, and it's interesting because I, I would say I, I'm not a huge fan of those, but there are some fighters it makes sense with, right? Like Valentina Shevchenko, every single time she fights, she was fighting at, you know, negative 1,200 or something like that. Uh, most of Amanda Nunez's fights up until her most recent loss, she was betting off at large numbers like that. She was a little bit smaller against Juliana Pena, but uh, th- those fights make sense to me because they're, they're a proven commodity. Whereas here with Umar Nurmagomedov, He's been in the UFC for only a couple of fights, and sure, we've seen you know his lineage, his brother go through and do all the things that he's done. We've seen him on the regional scene. We we've kind of have that proven concept, but we we don't have the proven concept at the highest level. And Nate Manis in this case, I think is actually a pretty live dog, especially when you consider the line at like you know like he's at plus six hundred, plus seven hundred, and that number is trending upwards too, not downwards. So. The fact that you can get him at that number and the fact that we've seen he's incredibly durable. We saw in his fight with Tony Gravely he can take a punch, come forward, and finish a fight himself. I actually think Manis, Manis is being underrated here. He's 3-0 in the UFC. He's a heck of a fighter. He may be more proven in terms of opponents than Medoff has. Not saying that I think, you know, you put a gun to my head, I'm going to pick him to win this fight. But I do think with the line this wide in, in and Medoff being a little bit less proven on the big scene... I don't think the big chalky line makes sense here.
5: Yep, yeah, and I was seeing the last aim. and I was like, I didn't think that there was a retirement that wound up ending. <laughs> so I cannot blame you there, but let's take a look at a fight that it has a little bit of a tighter money line on it and You've got Chris Curtis right now. He's finding himself right around minus 125, minus 135 against Rodolfo Vieira. And I think that this is a little bit of an interesting one personally because with Curtis, he wound up opening up a lot of places right around about a minus 145, minus 150-ish
2: favorite. So things have come down on him a little bit. What do you like with regards to this fight? Yeah, I've seen clearly the money seems to be coming in on Rodolfo Vieira, which I think is kind of weird to me because Chris Curtis looks so darn good and against guys who want to implement a similar game plan as Rodolfo Vieira. You know, he fought Phil Haas, a big, strong, muscly guy, although he boxes a little bit more, has that wrestling too. You you also saw him fight Brendan Allen, who's a guy who, you know, wants to take you down and submit you. There, there's no doubt about what he wants to do. Rodolfo Vieira, a multi-time world champion jiu-jitsu uh, practitioner, he's obviously better on the ground than those guys but somebody who wants to do those same things and Chris Curtis survived those early onslaughts and the grappling worked his hands looked phenomenal doing it so it's hard for me to understand why the money isn't coming in on Chris Curtis because I personally loved Chris Curtis even when I saw him posted at negative 145 thought that number would be trending in the opposite direction and here we are moving towards even money. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of Chris Curtis in this spot. I, I've been a big fan of Chris Curtis for a long time. I thought he should have gotten a contract off of the contender series, wanted to go to PFL and fighting in a couple of other spots regionally. But he, he's a guy who I've got a lot of faith in his hands. I think he avoids the takedown here. And, and I think as this gets closer and closer to fight time, that money keeps coming on the Hodolfo Vieta. I, I really do think he, he's going to have a lot of value in him.
5: Yep, and right now we're seeing the round prop. With the under between minus 150 and minus 155 set at a one and a half as well. So that tells you that they think that there's going to be a lot of carnage in this one. And then this is going to be fascinating. This is going to be really the nightcap on this one as you're going to have Matsus Camrod. He's going to be going up against Armand Sakuin. It's right now a round prop that we're finding right around four and a half with the over. So I'm thinking that this one probably not going to be as much of an upset situation or a knockout situation. But... You're right now finding Gamrod. He's finding himself right around a plus 240 and a plus 245, and I think that this has gotten up a little bit too high. I certainly think that he should be the underdog, but finding him well north of $2 feels like it's just
2: gotten a little bit too hefty here. Yeah, I, I agree with you entirely, and it's kind of what I talked about with the, the Nate Manis situation, too. He's a guy who's a little bit more proven, in my opinion, than Arman And I, He's a guy who, you know, fought in KSW, which is one of the best promotions outside of the UFC over in Poland. He's got a, a tremendous record of twenty and one. And, and to be honest, I thought he won that fight with uh, Garam Kutateladze. He lost by split decision, but really, I see him as twenty one and zero. He, he is really phenomenal. And and you mentioned the the prop being under four and a half or over four and a half. I'm kind of surprised by that. Both of these guys have proven to be finishers in the UFC. Maybe it's that they think they finally kind of met their match in terms of uh, skill and ability level. Because in the past, they have fought people who, you know, they could go out and finish. Jeremy Stevens is a guy who's kind of past his prime, and Gamrat went out and finished him. So I don't quite know why these two guys who have been finishing tons of people in the UFC are are betting off at over under four and a half. But I do like the under on that. And I will say, a- along with what you said, it's crazy to me that Gamrot's number is going up and higher and higher and higher because I really do favor him in this fight. While uh, Sarukian clearly has a wrestling advantage, clearly I, I think he's got some somewhat of a boxing advantage. I think he's going to have trouble with the jujitsu of Gamrot. He's not fought a guy who's got jujitsu with like that, with the exception of maybe Islam M- Makashev, who you know he fought in his UFC debut and maybe didn't look as good against. But yeah, I, I like Gamrot here, and I will say I do really like the under number as well.
5: Yep, and that is going to be the main fight for this UFC on ESPN event, and then coming up next week, July 2nd, we're going to be seeing a nice UFC 276 card as well, and one that stands out to me, I know that you like this one as well, Sean Strickland versus Alex Pereira, and right now we're finding Pereira right around about a minus 115 to a minus 120 favorite, so in terms of the UFC, about as close to a pick as you can get. Right now, there's no round props for anything really other than the Holloway and also the Adesanya fight. But that said, what are you taking a look in terms of this one? Because this is one that really stands out to me. It's not one of the main fights, but with that said, it's going to be like number three, number four in the card and really does wind up catching my eye.
2: Yeah, I, I love Michelle Pereira in this spot. Uh, you know, like what we saw out of Sean Strickton his last time out, you know, he, he talked a whole bunch of trash leading into that fight. He talked about how he was going to, you know, knock somebody out. And he went in with kind of a passive game plan where, you know, he, he sort of prodded his jab out there and made sure he won a close decision. And didn't really look like he was looking for the kill. And while that worked in his last fight, he's going to be fighting a guy in Michelle Pereira who is an incredible kickboxer. The guy is phenomenal. He's actually knocked out Israel Adesanya in kickboxing, which I know gets played over and over again. It's not the same sport. But at the same time, he's got tremendous knockout power. He's got great technique. And he's a guy who's shown time and time again he can stuff the takedown. Now. Strickland hasn't even been going to the takedown all that often with the exception of one he scored against Brendan Allen a while ago. But if he does try that game plan, which I think any smart person would try, I'm not even sure he'll be successful. And if he comes out with that same like passive, you know, I'm going to try to out jab you game plan as he did last time, he's going to get demolished. So to see him with that kind of line right there, at like negative 115, negative 120, I'm loving Michelle Pereira for next week. Yep, it
5: is going to be really interesting to see what we wind up getting in UFC 276. And I know that you've begun taking a look at this card quite a bit yourself. we got about 90 seconds. Is there any real other fights that is standing out from that UFC 276 card that you're really going to be having your eye on?
2: Yeah, I personally really love Gabe Green. Uh, He's fighting Ian Gary. Ian Gary's a guy who's gotten a lot of hype out of Ireland. Obviously, Irish MMA has has been up and down over the years, and he's kind of been branded the non-brash version of Conor McGregor. I I really don't see the talent level being as high, and I, I see a lot of hype around a guy who I'm not as sure about. And he's fighting a guy, Gabe Green. I I feel like the the trend here for me is, is talking about guys who are more proven than their opponents. Gabe Green betting off at plus 140 for seemingly no reason for him to be an underdog against Ian Gary here because he's looked phenomenal in the UFC. So uh yeah, I'm really loving Gabe Green in that spot. I also really love Jalen Turner fighting Brad Riddell. Jalen Turner negative 120. I like his ability to stuff the wrestling. Um so you're getting both of those guys at, at pretty good values on a, you know, like you said, some of those fight cards have some wild favorites on them. So to see these two uh in a nice spot, those, those are ones I have circled and have my eye on. Those fights provide quite a bit of value,
5: but not quite as much value as you provided here, Dan. You do absolutely terrific work. You do a nice job over there at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. And always a pleasure to have you on, my friend. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you for having me.
5: It's always great to be able to take a look at the MMA world as Dan. He does an absolutely amazing job there. We've got a nice UFC fight night that's coming up this week and the next week. UFC 276, and that is a loaded card. So, we've got some good fights coming up within the next two weeks, and coming up next, we've got some great MOB games that are going to be going down on the Diamond on Friday. So, and to take a look at those right here on VSIN Esports Bank Network.
3: If you thought there was a sports betting off-season, think again. Our Vesen sports betting experts are working 24/7 to keep you informed on every sport on the schedule. The over pays the same for a baseball game or a football championship and our team grinds year-round to help improve year-round to help improve year-round to help improve year-round